Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co., Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Sarah Allmark, The Sociable Beer Company, and The Small Batch Brewing Co., I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Jim and Henry from Brookhouse Hops, based in Herefordshire. The explosive rise of craft brewing has revolutionised the British beer industry with more quality and diversity on offer than ever before. But throughout this shift, hop farming has remained much the same. Not at Brookhouse Hops, however. Brookhouse have been selling hops directly to craft brewers since 2018, combining a rigorous and scientific approach to hop farming at scale, with the art and attention to detail cultivating perfect English hop aromas. Jim and Henry, please introduce yourselves and tell us about your beer journeys, which led you to becoming part of Brookhouse Hops. Hiya, my name's Henry Smith. I'm farm manager for Brookhouse Hops. I grew up on the biggest hop farm in the UK, kind of a family thing. So I was born <laughs> into it, so to speak. A uh, bit of backstory, hated farming growing up, really wanted to get out there. Naturally you know, re- rebel against it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Big dreams, big city, move on, get out of it. Went to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, to study i did a uh, biomechanics and kinesiology so essentially along the sports side of stuff cool i yeah. to be a teacher my mom's a teacher all right nice yeah so did that uh got my degree pretty much hated sitting in an office really so i didn't even go down the teaching route um various other jobs led me to a, a marketing job paid big money but stuck indoors kind of <laughs> hadn't realized how much of an impact the farm had had on me no twiddling my fingers slapping pens on desks being the annoying person in the office that just really didn't want to be there so made the transition um saw a job opening in Herefordshire for a Mm -hmm. farm manager role on a hop farm and Mm -hmm. thought all those things that I have learned growing up whether I liked it or not at the time kind of see if I could make something of myself never really wanted to work with a family you know try and make my own name yep managed a few hop farms in Herefordshire um, you know, learning all the time and trying to put in practice what everything my dad had taught me and everything I'd learned subliminally <laughs> over the years. Um, yeah, and then left one job and had a phone call off Will Kirby, who's the, the owner and who founded Brookhouse Hops. Yep. Uh, and he said, I'm going to buy a farm. Should we turn it into a hop farm? I'm going to take over the hop industry. So it was kind of like, yeah, heard it all before, not sure. Mm. Um, but something just inside me thought, let's just go for it. I, don't, yeah. I, I still, to this day, I believe in Will. Yep. We hit off initially really well, um, said yes. And six years later, growing full capacity, 15% of all the hops in the UK on two different sites. It's, it's kind of escalated quite quickly. Yes. And when I started with Will, it was just, it was a cider apple farm predominantly. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, there was hops on the farm, but when I turned up and Will turned up, there weren't. Right. And we just slowly made a go at building hop yards, putting in posts, wire work, thinking what varieties we want to grow, what the market yep. could take. And it essentially just expanded and expanded, expanded. And then Brookhouse Hops started. I think the aim to start with was to to exclude that middleman, the, the right. merchant, the create better relationships with us as the grower and, and the guys as the brewers to find out what brewers really want. Yep. You know, what aromas, what things they're looking for in different varieties and different hops and try and create a great relationship with the both of us so that hopefully everyone wins. The farmer can have a great relationship with the brewer. The brewer can get a consistent crop, which will give them consistent beers and and their customers are consistently happy. And, and it's just kept on escalating from there, really. <laughs> so far, so good, Henry. Tons of different avenues that I want to question and, and dig into from what you just said there. But Jim, why don't you introduce yourself? So um, I'm Jim Wilson, the complete opposite of Henry. I grew up in London and couldn't wait to leave. Um, <laughs> I always knew that I wanted to be in the countryside or work on a farm or have my own farm. My background is in mechanical engineering. So mm-hmm. I studied mechanical engineering, predominantly refrigeration. 
and I was that that weird one in the group of friends that that was drinking cask beer when they was all right. drinking macro brands <laughs> of lager. Yep. And uh, I discovered Brentwood Brewery, which was yeah. sort of like my local small independent brewery, and went there to help out for a day and really enjoyed it. I was home brewing at the time, and then right. a few months later, they offered me a job. Nice. And I was like, well, <laughs> if I don't do it now, I mean, I was in my early 20s. So yep. if, I, if I didn't do it then, I was never going to do it. Right. So yeah, I went to work there and worked with a great bunch of guys. Sophie Durand was the head brewer there at the time. So, mm. you know, she's gone on to great things. Yeah. Um, so I stayed there for about 18 months. And then I was offered a job at Tap East. Right. I'd known Glyn and the guys there from Drinking in the Rake. And uh, thought it was a really good opportunity to sort of make my mark and and start experimenting with the flavors that I wanted to make. And so, yep. yeah, I worked there for for two years over the Olympics, and that that was a hell of an experience. Oh, cool! It was, yeah, it was yeah, great, and such lovely people. I mean, real real pioneers in the craft beer industry. The guys that own Uto Beer and and the yep. Rake and Tap East. From there, I went to Lanes when it was just a a group of brew pubs and right. and, and a pub estate. And then at, at that time, I realized that, that there was more beyond brewing and, and the ingredient side is where I really wanted to be. Right. So I got a job of what was then Simply Hops. Okay. And that was my introduction to hops. And bizarrely, actually, in my first two weeks of, of being there, Will actually came to the office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we briefly spoke in, in the office and I never thought anything else of it. So I stayed there for, for just over... Uh, well, about four and a half years I was there for. Right. Left there, went to Coast Brothers Brewery Rentals, mm-hmm. EK. Um, yep. And then, yeah, and then an opportunity to come to Brookhouse came up. And, you know, we was in the midst of a pandemic. And again, it was like, well, you know, once you get bitten by the hop, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, yep. to go back on it. I'd never sold English hops. And it's a, it's a real important thing for me, like, I think if we can't appreciate what we've got on it, sort of in our own, you know, in yep. our own space, then there's something really wrong. And I'd obviously watched Brookhouse grow and, yep. and make that mark in the industry. And I thought, yeah, this is a big opportunity here. And I went down during harvest last year mm-hmm. and just was blown away by the quality of the hops and the, the great team there. So, yeah, that. so I'm now here at Brookhouse Hops as the, as the sales manager mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, loving it. Are you? Uh, can I ask if you're if you're remote, Jim, or you you, you moved down to Herefordshire? No, so I, I live in Derbyshire. I'm just fifteen oh, okay. minutes from. Nice Ridge, and central, so. though. Yeah, if you're going to be, you know, if you want to be central in the UK, that's about as good as what it's in in England, I should say. Because I don't want to offend any uh, any of our Scottish <laughs> listeners, but certainly, you know, central for England, that's that's a good spot to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we've I've got the breweries of sort of you know that northern powerhouse of breweries, and yep. you know, it's it's only a few hours from London, so and. I suppose Cornwall is always going to be quite remote. Yeah, it's live, hard to be, it's hard to be Cornwall, local to so. Cornwall, isn't it? Unless you're, in, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're in but, Exeter or something. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, just, you know, being in the southeast, it's easy to get tunnel vision about the breweries that are there. But there's yeah. so many great breweries all over the country. Oh, over absolutely no question, yeah. So to, to be here is, you know, is, is a great location because I'm close to just some fantastic breweries. So let, let me say by way of introduction from my side then that, uh, you know, you guys know I've been doing this podcast now for 18 months or so. And more often than not, you know, we'll get to talking about hops. You know, it's a beer podcast after all. And, you know, more than I would think out of the 86 episodes or so I've done, at least five or six times, we, it, you know, the conversations turned to Brookhouse without me leading it. And without fail, the conversation always runs along the lines of, you guys are playing a different game you know your your product and the you know the way that you present it is absolutely in a class of its own for english hops and you know and the combination of that and the 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 products that you're able to import from from the us and new zealand and so forth mean that you know your offering is regarded as as being you know absolutely the highest quality possible so talk to me about how that came about Henry I'm sure that must have been the objective because it's you know quite honestly it's almost like a glib thing to say that most businesses set out to be the best at least I hope they do but what steps did you guys take or I should say you know did Will take in the first instance and and shortly afterwards Henry and and everybody else take to to deliver against that 
ideal situation and what is it you're doing to, to differentiate yourselves? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think it all kind of fell into place, really. We're quite, we're quite a young team. Will, owner Will's quite young. I'm 30. Mm-hmm. Most of the staff are quite young. And I think we bring that fresh outlook into traditional farming, if that makes sense. There's a, right. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great things that hop growers have done over the years. And there's things that we still do, which, which have stayed the same for 50 years. But just looking at it from a different outlook. And I think because Will didn't come from farming background, he could kind of see from the outside in, which a lot of people can't see. Right. We straight away when we set out was, we've heard a lot of stories between the hops that people select, brewers select, and the hops that are delivered to them don't almost match up. So like I said about the relationship, it was to be completely transparent. So if we just talk about the farming side, we've we use a lot of the newest technology-based software on our fertilizer spinners, on our chemical right. sprayers, to try and control the impact of that. Mm-hmm. So by not spraying as many chemicals, by trying to spray as many food-grade chemicals we, we can. Right. And because the farm was a blank farm at Brookhouse and we had to build the whole harvesting facility and the kilns from scratch, yep. you could kind of pick apart all of the, the bad things that we mm-hmm. didn't like about traditional <laughs> systems. And also take the good things. So at Brookhouse, our harvesting facility is made up of just an eclectic collection of different picking machines. Right. <laughs> so we've got 1950s brough machines, hmm. which are really great on some of the more delicate um, profilers of British hops. Right. And then we've got some German machines to pick out sprays. One of the biggest standout things for me is when we were choosing a kiln, we and we still are the only person or the company in the UK, hop grow wise, that has got an indirect burner. Right. So where diesel used to be burnt and the fumes would go up through the bed of hops and mm. stain them with kind of that diesel essence. No. No, we took that and we we bought a big heat exchange unit. So the only thing that goes through our hops is filtered, pure, clean, hot clean, air. Clean hot air, yeah. Nice. We also took a lot of things from Germany. So so we're on a three-tier kiln system, a lot like your oven at home. Yeah. This means we can almost dry our hops at half the time as a conventional single-tier kiln can. Hmm. I always look at hops, and I love weird analogies, but so hops to me, drying hops is kind of the same thing that you want to get out of making a brownie. You want to okay. dry and take the moisture out of the outside leaves yep. and retain all of that oil, all of the you know, the alpha. Yeah, the gooiness in the middle, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you want to keep that. Nice. So this kiln's given us the ability to do that. Just a quick question on the on the farm itself, because I, so I understand. I mean, as you know, I, or you know, uh, the audience don't necessarily know that I was lucky enough to visit last year for for the harvest in in twenty twenty, and so I got the chance to walk the fields with you, and that was a magical experience. But the uh, the you basically are planting into a, a effectively kind of a floodplain, aren't you? Is that the best way to describe it? Well, what is the land like now? How how deep's the topsoil and how rich is it? It's it's as good as it gets, isn't it? There. Yeah, I mean, we've got, so on the two sites, one in Worcestershire, one in Herefordshire, we've probably got two of the best soils for growing hops in the UK. Right. So the topsoil at Brookhouse is probably getting three, four foot deep. Nice. Beautiful soil. More clay-based than it is um, at the Worcestershire site. Right. Um, It holds its moisture quite well. It's quite pliable. Yeah. It enables us to do a lot of mechanical pruning and mechanical jobs as opposed to chemical based which is fantastic nice and on the worcestershire site it's got that kind of silty loamy soil which is just so forgiving if we have a drought it holds moisture if it floods it releases moisture nice good deep soil great for growing hops and both farms are in a bit of a valley right so we're quite sheltered from the the dramatic weather that can really affect hop yards and knock hop yards down but right. at the same time we're almost in its we've got mini eco climates within the valley <laughs> which is just perfect for growing hops perfect let's talk about what you actually grow then henry uh, in terms of varieties uh, and and you know rough <laughs> acreages or you know percentages it doesn't have to be exact but just give us a sense of the of the spread of crops and you know what, what your largest volume crops and and so forth Okay, so we've got um, 11 different varieties across the two sites. Mm-hmm. I'll just list through a list of the varieties that we grow at the minute. We've got um, Goldings. Yep. Uh, we've got three different types of Goldings. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got Early Choice, Cobbs Goldings, and Early Bird Goldings. Right. Uh, we've got Challenger, Progress, yep. Fuggles, Cascade, 
that's UK Cascade, UK yeah. Chinook, mm-hmm. Admiral, Pilgrim, Ramling Cross, Target and Phoenix. Right. So a nice, a really, really nice combination of different hops, aroma hops, alpha hops. Yep. Dotted across two sites as well. And one of the biggest things for us, you know, when you think about it's not just planting hops in a field, you've got to think about what hops are planted where, which direction the hop yard's facing for the sun and the right. daylight. Yeah. And also what hops are planted on what site. So another thing, just quickly going back to the brewers, which which we had to think about when we were planting these varieties are a big thing that we were hearing from brewers was when signing contracts and stuff like that was the single farm worry. So what if one site got flooded or the wind knocked every hop yard down and we've sure. signed a contract? Yeah. We've got, so Goldings, for example, we've got them on both sites. Progress, we've got them on both sites. So it right. doesn't become it's not a single, single point of site worry. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, I guess from, from the audience of this podcast perspective, they will be familiar with some of those varieties and, and probably will have them sort of pigeonholed as perhaps traditional cask beer hops. You know, not, not that I mean that as a any kind of a negative turn of phrase, but but just a just a you know a, a categorization. So you are obviously focused on supplying both traditional and you know more modern craft brewers. Let's say I'd like to talk to you about how that's evolving, um, and you know who's buying which hops, and you know and and how you're sort of working to to try and spread that level of understanding amongst UK brewers that, you know, actually they shouldn't be dismissing Goldings, for example, as being, you know, only suitable for brewing best bitters and not having the, the characteristics that you can make a modern craft beer with. So so let's, let's sort of dig into that and unpack it a bit. Well, my experience, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to visit the major hop ground regions in the world. And, you know, if we look at German hops, for example, they grow some really traditional varieties. But would anybody ever turn around and say that, that those varieties are they can only be used for one style of beer or mm. you know they're they're archaic or they're old-fashioned you know like they still make tremendous beers with those hops and i think what the what the team at brookhouse do really well the farming team is that they showcase the best characteristics of the hops that we grow and so as a result of that you know we can offer these hops to brewers not just for traditional styles of beer, but to be innovative with those hops and, yes. and say, you know, can you blend this hop with this hop from the US or this hop from New Zealand uh, and, you know, still achieve that result that, you know, the drinkers want to drink. So, for instance, if we looked at Utopian, yep. would anybody ever turn around and say Utopian's beers are not fantastic no. and they're just made with English ingredients? So, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's really humbling and, and it's very refreshing to see brewers actually saying well yeah we can work with these so at harvest time we had jimmy from unity at the brewery yeah at at the farm sorry and we looked at the branding cross which is just outstanding you know like branding cross is seen as our dark fruits and it's great in a stout or a mild but actually you know what we were getting was like almost like pinot gris like almost like a a Mm. nelson sovan kind of aroma or, or enigma kind of aromas from it and so like those really tropical fruity flavors those grapey flavors were coming through so well yep because we're fortunate enough to to be the people that grow the hops pick the hops dry the hops sell the hops is we've got control over the whole whole cycle and you know we you know we know what brewers want so i can go to the farming team and say hey look you know like maybe we pick this a little bit later yep and um, we get some characteristics that maybe are unusual for the for the hop but it's, it's what brewers want and people may have been scared to let those you know we've all heard the stories about hops that were rejected in the 50s and 60s because they were they were too american <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's nuts isn't it um, yeah so i mean working with brewers like daya and wylam mm. you know unity utopian working with those brewers and really seeing them again you know we want to use english hops and that's becoming more and more the topic of the conversation is we want to use english hops in our beer so. Yeah. Well, I want to come back to those collabs, Jim. So don't forget that. But we'll 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 wrap around to that in a moment. But Henry, you got anything to add to to that that sort of channel of conversation? I think Jim said exactly what needed to be said. Like we we've got some great varieties, and especially UK varieties. And I think at the minute there's that trend for the citrusy American kind of flavour profile that, that yeah. everyone's looking for. And I think that the hops over the years have just been dismissed, especially UK hops. They're a bit dull, a bit boring, and I think. Jim hit the nail on the head when he said, you don't just have to use British hops. You can use combinations. Yep. But also, 
hops from the 50s or those flavor profiles that people have been getting from UK hops in the in the past isn't necessarily the same flavors and aromas and the kind of the distinctive smell and taste that you get from them now right so obviously a lot of it's climate affected environment affected site specific and i think we've definitely showed and we've, we've seen the amount of brewers that have been coming maybe looking for those american varieties that will sell them and then we'll pop a few of our own in there <laughs> they are a perfect example of yeah. that so we showed them some of our phoenix our brumling cross our goldens the challenger and a lot of the time they can't believe that these are the hops that or actually follow that name because they're so used to being told that these varieties are a bit boring, a bit dull, yeah, maybe you know, they make a craft beer. You know, they're sort of naturally sort of dismissed with the, the very rude turn of phrase sticks and twigs, aren't they? Which is it's disrespectful, I think, to the industry to, to, to call it that. But perhaps it's, you know, it just might be that before you guys came along with your, your modern farming techniques and in particular, your, you know, as you describe in your kiln and your your approach to, to cold store and, and just getting everything processed so quickly perhaps that's the difference as well isn't it is you're starting with the same basic hot plant but the magic comes with the way that you're nurturing it and processing it yeah and the end product speaks for itself and, and we've done a serious amount of brewers walks this harvest which has been yep. fantastic the response has been great and it's nice to see how surprised brewers are <laughs> when you do you know you do the scratch and sniff test jim does the sensory the chat with them and yeah and it's nice to see their reactions to how pleasant and how what the flavor profiles and the range is from from british hops yeah absolutely so so what what went down best this this year from the harvest would you say um in terms of varieties mm -hmm. um Bramling cross definitely stood out like jim mentioned um yep. our phoenix this year were unbelievable as well right admiral were great mm -hmm. the admiral are really good um but probably Bramling cross i'd say right you kind of yeah. get that, I don't know, from, right from the field, even before they were right in the field, is that distinct? I always think that to me, I know it's obviously always personal, that blackcurrant licorice kind of blackcurranty right. dark fruit smell. Mm -hmm. And you could smell that right the way from middle of August, right the way up to hot picking. And the, ch Fabulous. the change in the kiln and the machine when we changed onto Bramley Cross, the whole aroma in the shed, it was just phenomenal. Amazing, yeah, and, and and that to be honest, that was one of my highlights of, of visiting the farm was just the, the the smell in the in the processing barn or shed or whatever you want to call it, just incredible. You know, anybody that's a fan of of craft beer needs to have that experience at some point. I think is to, to just come and stand in your barn while you you know while the machines are doing their thing and just just sort of soak up the uh, the aromas, just just absolutely wondrous. No, it's, it's, it's definitely intoxicating. Mm. I mean, it's like that, that sweet, that sweet hoppy smell. It stays like after harvest. Your hands smell like it for weeks after. If you're it's a hophead, yeah, it doesn't get any better. I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, understand up on the Newnham Farm site, you've got some some more sort of developmental varieties going on. So, is there anything there that you're excited about that that's starting to come into sort of production? Uh, or you know, is it is it too soon to to talk about that? I think we're probably a bit off unleashing them yet. We're in the process of, of thinking and trying to find new varieties. And I think for us, with the transparent relationship between us and brewers, uh, yeah. a lot of new varieties, specifically Br British varieties that other people are trying to come up with, are trying to follow that citra, mosaic, citrusy flavour. So yeah. for us, a big thing is buy british hops you don't want to try and mimic the, the citra the mosaic no. we want to try and find a hop that's best suited to our environment where our rainfall our sunshine our day length all of that can bring out the best flavors whatever that may be yep that the yep. uk can produce and i think yeah, it's quite, quite easy yeah, to to chase the dream of the citra if you yep. want to call it that but five yeah. years down the line if we're in commercial use on it and it goes out of trend which it could well do yeah we just want to give people, we want, we want to create hops, which you can't find anywhere else, not just right. copy of the hops. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great answer, Henry. Um, one thing I was actually interested in, in digging into a bit with you guys is what impact um, climate change is having on, on your farm and, and British hop farming in general. Are you seeing it becoming easier or more difficult to cultivate you know, some of the traditional varieties for example is it is Herefordshire the new Kent in terms of sort of climate and so it doesn't really it hasn't sort of flipped over yet what, what how is that impacting you um it hasn't really made much of a difference really to mm -hmm. us um the predominant thing would be wilt so verticillium wilt which is right is a sword-borne disease which can just wipe your whole farm out 
yep. um, the wetter it gets, you know, we have these floods in, in January, February, yeah. we have done for the past two years, that can spread quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's altered the, the amount of mechanical prunings that we will do on some some varieties. Right. Um, but other than that, it's it stayed pretty much similar. I know that our alphas on some of our high alpha hops, the percentage and the alpha percentage on those is shot up over the past few years just because okay. of the rainfall we've been getting when they've been going into hop. Right. We've noticed that the hops cones, the profile of themselves are a lot more filled out, filled out, if that makes sense. So yeah, a lot more yeah. rainfall water will bulk those cones out. Yeah. Giving you kind of a more, more of an oily content. Um, but in terms of actual day-to-day life, other than the floods or the wind, I suppose the wind's a big one. Yeah. You imagine you've got a hop yard loads of posts and wire and you've got all these hops all these tons of hops hanging off it they get wet and the wind blows i mean we're very fortunate we haven't had any hop cars blow over but it's a concern yeah i'm sure it's something one of the many concerns that keep a farmer awake in the in the sort of late summer and early autumn yeah i would i would like i'd add to that 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 that's not to say that that we don't know that it's not happening. I mean, mm-hmm. so Bram- Bramling, for example, like you guys have told me from the farming side that it's becoming increasingly difficult to grow. Right. Because when it was bred, you know, there was a real distinct line between winter and spring. Yeah. So Bramling likes that really cold winter and that definitive break into spring. Yep. And then it can get growing. Whereas now, you know, I mean, look how mild it is today. It's incredible. You know, so yeah. really mild winters. Yeah. And then quite unpredictable springs, late frosts. We've seen it with grapes in France and hops in other parts of the world. I mean, I, I, I've seen data going back years. Hot farmers are great record keepers of weather, and you okay. know, like you, yeah. you, you can definitely see the see the, the change in the climate. Yeah, you know, we are just very fortunate that right now it's not having a dramatic effect but we no. know that that it will at some point yeah you'd be foolish to disregard it wouldn't you i'm sure you're, yeah. you know you're, you're taking it into account and it you know potentially it isn't all bad necessarily is it because you know just a couple of degrees of, of sort of higher temperatures and, and as you say maybe more rainfall opens up the opportunity to grow varieties that perhaps you couldn't have grown successfully in herefordshire 10 15 20 years ago i don't know well, I'm sure we'll find out in the future, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not too excited to find out if I'm honest with you. No, <laughs> so. no, I know it's a tra- you know because you're right. It's, you know, it, it, you don't want it to to change the the sort of the traditions of of what what you can do. Yeah, um, and, and 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 as a business, you know, we do all that we can to to mitigate that. You know, so we've just installed a solar panel array on on our cold store. Nice. You know, we really try to to minimise our impact on the environment. Yep. because we're aware of of the repercussions of it so and you know and setting the the, the you know we've, we've we've spoken quite a bit about the quality of your products um setting that to one side brewers are also i think increasingly interested in supporting a more local product reducing the the, the carbon consumption of the of their brewing and and obviously an important part of that is to try and source local ingredients rather than flying them in from you know new zealand or pacific northwest so obviously that becomes a significant part of, of the story for Brookhouse. You know, how are you working with, with brewers to get that message across? I mean, to be honest with you, like uh, we don't have to push that one very hard. Mm. I think that the brewers are totally aware of this. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's multifaceted. You know, brewers are completely aware of, of their impact on the environment. Yep. The, the, the prices have increased, particularly with the onset of the pandemic. I mean, the cost of transporting goods has just you know, oh, it's actually out of control. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, ridiculously, yeah. if you can actually even get it on a ship or yeah. get it on a plane, you know. <laughs> so it's really refreshing to see brewers turning to that. And it's nice to be part of the story that, that they can say to their drinkers, you know, well, these hops in this beer came from this farm grown yeah. by this person, you know, and it's not just a nice story to tell, it's a necessary story to tell. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Please keep listening for more after a short message from our sponsors. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. I had um, Dave Stone from Wylam on the podcast um, the very week that your 
Um, it's called was it called Punker? I think P U N K A H um, IPA was was released. Uh, Dave kindly sent me a can. I think, and you know, I was probably one of the first people to actually taste that beer, and it was just fantastic. And it was great to hear Dave talk about it with with such enthusiasm and pride. You know, he really got that this was a significant beer release for Wylam. You know, Wylam quite a you know a, a traditional brewery by UK craft beer standards. You know, they've been around for twenty years. They've they've got great heritage in producing amazing cask beers and now amazing uh, keg beers. And so, you know, they, they've really spanned the uh, the UK craft beer industry the last 20 years. And Dave totally got that this was, you know, probably one of the more significant beers they've ever brewed. And so that, that was great to hear. And, you know, and uh, it was just a brilliant beer. It wasn't just, it wasn't a brilliant British hopped beer. It was a brilliant beer full stop you know it wasn't it wasn't just oh yeah that was great considering that they were working with british hops no it was not you know that was no part of this you know saying this was great it was just an awesome beer with amazing flavors that you know had the bitterness but also had a stunning a stunning array of of great fruit depths as well so it was just just a lovely a lovely beer and you know great credit to, to the the ingredients that went in it no question yeah look i think that's a really good it's a good example that like i've been working with ben and Luda Bruin guys there mm-hmm. for <laughs> you know like six or seven years now and um, the one thing i admire about them is they're completely fearless when it comes to trying something new yep and you know they're not obsessed by untapped ratings or you know anything like that and so when you can sit down with brewers who can just look at ingredients for what they are and appreciate their their unique characteristics and they're gonna say you know right we're going to do this, this, and this, yep. and this is the result we're going to get. And, you know, I, I went there and brewed it with them and I got really nervous about it because, you know, <laughs> it, it didn't get released. It didn't get released. I was like, oh, you know, is there something wrong with it? Yeah. I spoke to Ben and he was like, no, nah, look, we just needed to give it a real good maturation time. Yeah. And, you know, well, you saw the result. I think it was just, I think it was great. I think, it, and it's so nice to, you know, I've brewed loads of collab beers with people in my career. And, yep. and but to, to brew a, a beer, with hops from the farm that you work for yeah. with your friends mm-hmm. is, you know, one of the nicest experiences and, you know, to see the result, it was, yeah. Um, you know, and there's a lot of doubters about the capacity or the capability of English hops. And I think that a beer like that is a great example to actually just grab the ball by the horns and go for it. Yep. Definitely. That's, that's, and so, why, that's why it all started as well for us. This is what we're this, seeing reactions like that. You know, yep. when you tasted that beer, when mm. Jim goes to do the, the collabs, is why we've spent so much money on the cold store with them yep. being in cold storage 24 hours after picking all of the stuff that and money mm. that we've spent and invested to see someone come back and go, those are some amazing hops. Yep. Not just UK hops, like you said, some amazing <laughs> hops. And we've made this beer. Let's have a pint together. Nice. People love it. Yeah. No, That's I'm why. sure, you know, I, I'm sure that beer sold out practically overnight it must have done because it was so good and you know and a lot of people i didn't hear anybody talk about it that wasn't really excited about it so you know that, that was great and it's fabulous to obviously it helps to have brewers like dyer and wyland behind it in, in terms of getting it out there but i think you know that that was just an amazing beer and, and just a great credit to you guys um it, it strikes me actually that you know i'm always looking for positives um this podcast has only existed in pandemic times um you know pretty much <laughs> similar to, to brookhouse you haven't done much outside of pandemic times yourself so um i'm always looking for positives and i do think that one um, pandemic positive if you can use that phrase is the fact that none of the uk craft brewers are able to go and do international hop selection this year but they could come down to herefordshire and you you know you you put on a nice uh, series of uh, of walks and events and so forth um for them that actually i'm sure really you know raised your profile uh, particularly you know you were getting fresh hops into the hands of, of brewers that i'm sure had never previously experienced fresh brookhouse hops you know they may have bought your your processed product um, previously but actually you know coming down to the farm and getting the chance to have the full experience is is another level isn't it and so how did that go from your perspective and you know what are you going to do next year to build on it well from my point of view it it was unbelievable and well from just a bloke who stands in the field and grows them <laughs> seeing that response and, and the caliber of brewers that came down was just phenomenal and it, it it really allowed us to show them so getting the brewers out there and going from the field to the picking machine right into the kilns right. they can see the, the hops being baled in the baling machine and then they can walk across the farmyard and go to the cold store 
yeah. you can open those doors the, the, the coolness the air hits you the aroma of all that the mashup of all of those hops yeah to see them all there stacked up to the ceiling <laughs> it's just phenomenal and i mean I, I know i mentioned it before and we spoke about previously the, the selection and what they think they're getting and what actually turns up isn't yeah. the case we've had brewers here where you can say to them what are you looking for? You look for goldens. Well, here's 200 bells of goldens. Go and have a look at any one of those bells you want. Nice. As far as we're concerned, every bell is the same. Have a pick, choose whichever one you want. We've got yep. the ability to cater to brewers. So from early, middle and late, mm-hmm. do you want aroma? Do you want looks? Do you want the early kind of flavor or do you want the deep the scent kind of essence of the hop? Yep. Did you get involved in any uh, green hop? collabs this this summer around harvest time uh yeah we did our hobson's green hop mm-hmm. which we we've done for a few years now right ludlow brewery did a, a green hop with us nice um and there was a couple of others i can't can't remember the names that's another amazing thing about hop picking in the chaos and the madness of hop picking seeing brewers come <laughs> taking hops off the conveyor belt before they've gone in the kilns, quickly yep. running and putting them in their vans and racing back to the brewery is just fantastic. I think it's a great, it's a great tradition. And it's, uh, it's something that's, that's massive in, in the U S isn't it? And I don't think it, not to quite the same extent here. And so, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to encourage every brewer that's listening to this to, to have a go at that next year, you know, in, in some shape or form, because I'm sure it must be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you're, I'm sure you're sort of pushing your processes to the limit to be able to, produce a decent beer with a, a product in a form that you're not used to working with but even still um, I think it must be a lot of fun and, and you know customers I'm sure would be you know looking to to lean into something a bit different so yeah let's uh, let's see more green hot beers next year hopefully let's talk about collabs in, in the broader sense and Jim I know obviously we've, we've spoken a bit about the Wylam Daya collab which which I was lucky enough to sample but who else did collabs with you in the last year and you know are there any more coming up that, that you can talk about? So uh, there's been quite a few, so not so much collabs, but having been in the industry for, for quite a while, you know, I can, I can coerce my, my friends yeah. and customers into... <laughs> Twist their arm at their back, yeah. Into, into <laughs> dipping their toes in the water. And um, yeah, so, I mean, look, we've, this year, to name a few, we've worked with Adnams. Yep. We've worked with Burnt Mill, mm. Gypsy Hill, Wild yep. Beer, Pressure Drop. We did a beer... F- well, it was a collective beer for um, Cheltenham Beer Week. Oh, nice. So yeah. that was with Daya, with Claveland High and mm. Seven Brewing. Mm. Um, who else was there? Cotswold Brewery. So, yeah, yeah, the positive feedback and reputations getting out there. And, it, and yeah. you know, particularly when you work with breweries who are very hot forward, very dipper, tipper double dry hop orientated yep. it's nice to you know twist their arm and say come on you know like people who you wouldn't expect to be using goldens in a beer yeah <laughs> it's a it's a very nice sense of achievement when you when you get them to make a beer and you know they like it and and Definitely. i think one of the most important things to, to remember is when northern monk opened their tap room in manchester and they insisted yep. on having landlord on the bar and there was a very specific <laughs> reason why they had landlord because everybody enjoyed drinking it from the brewing industry because yep. everyone appreciates how well made it is right and so you know it's very easy to get uh, lost in the world of super hoppy beers yeah but actually a lot of people that work in the industry and make beer very much enjoy drinking more sessionable beers so yeah um and i do think that we will we'll, we will see a, a trend back to that as the industry matures in the uk i'm sure um, yeah we'll definitely see a a lean back towards more sessionable beers and so yeah to work with people like that is, is a real privilege you know they're great customers and you know some of them are very good friends so nice yeah so let's talk a bit about brookhouse from a, an importance perspective because you're not just selling your own hops you also you have a close uh, partnership collaboration not quite sure what the right turn of phrase is with uh, yakima chief uh, and also some suppliers from new zealand so so tell us you know how that works and and what sort of percentage of your output it it, um, it represents so yeah so we're the uk official distributor of yakima chief hops yep so we were able to supply and have access to all of their wonderful varieties mm-hmm. from from citra talus simpo yep. to the more ingenious stuff like cryopop and mm. the cryohops i think that that's born out of a kind of mutual respect so when will was researching about setting up a hop farm he traveled to yakima 
Yep. And he and he saw what the guys there did and, and their farming practices and their commitment to quality. And he wants to emulate that in the UK. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it was a natural fit that, that we would work together because the guys at Yakima Chief see how passionate we are about that customer connection, that brewer yep. connection and, and the focus on quality. And much the same with Clayton Hops in New Zealand. Right. Family owned, you know, a huge commitment to quality. There's some of the best hops coming out of New Zealand. And so we want to work with like-minded people. We're always exploring other avenues. We're mm-hmm. talking to some farmers in Europe. And so it's nice to work with like-minded people. Right. Obviously, then also opens up the opportunity for you to be a you know a supplier of a you know the majority or perhaps all of the hops that the, that a brewer might need. So just because you know you're not growing Citra or Talus, brewers are still going to want those hops, and so it's great that you you know you can be a one-stop shop um, to to a large extent for for the industry with the same level of quality that they you know they come to expect from Brookhouse. Yeah. So you know, despite our evangelical commitment <laughs> to English hops, we understand that. We can't switch over everybody. And so, yeah, it's nice to give people the choice yep. to be able to use stuff from further afield and, and you know, that quality choice. And, and going back to what you were saying about what does that make up in terms of our volume? I suppose at the moment, probably 30 to 40% UK hops, okay. and then the rest is is imported. Yeah. But, um, and yeah. I guess that, that obviously probably, well, I'm, I'm certain that it changes depending on which month of the year we're talking about. So, you know, right now you're, you know, you're, your cold store is probably, or at least it was a few weeks ago, full of Brookhouse product. But, you know, when it gets to the springtime, it's it's New Zealand product and maybe later in the summer or whatever, vice versa, it's uh, it's US. So it's great that, you know, that that sort of gives you a more of a of an all-year-round supply. Is that is that fair or am I overgeneralizing and simplifying? So we get um, regular, like, uh, replenishments from, from Yakima Chief, yep. sort of bi-weekly, monthly. So they're always available. Yep. Um, the, the New Zealand stuff after harvest it's shipped over directly to us and we keep that for the entire year yep. and then with the uk stuff yeah, yeah i mean after harvest that that's in there so you know we're always stocked we're never out of stock but like you say you know beers beers change seasonally and so this is one of the, going back to one of the things about english shops being just for cask beer or just for best bitters we actively encourage brewers to look at using english hops in things like lagers so right. back, yeah. back to utopian you know yep. um English hops can make fantastic lagers. Um, yeah. One of the things that we're doing this year is we're going to do a more in-depth analysis, which again is something that we've taken from Yakima Chief. So not only would we would we offer the alpha acid content on our English hops, but also oh. the beta acid and, and the oil content and the and the breakdown of that oil. Nice. So uh, it gives you the brewer the ability to make a more informed decision about the hops that they use in the beers yeah. that they make. And not everybody's going to want to get involved in in the sort of that scientific analysis, but I think more and more brewers are, aren't they? And so it's great that you can offer them that level of data, and then they can make you know, informed choice. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's talk about Europe, Henry. I understand um, you're starting to see more expansion into some uh, some brewers in in Europe. How's that developing? Is it is it you know easier? You know, I guess it's a challenge with with Brexit, but not insurmountable. No, it's, it, it was hard. Brexit, it was hard to get through customs and stuff originally. We've kind of expanded the sales team quite a lot. So we've mm-hmm. got a girl over in, in France, which which kind of heads up most of Europe. And oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's fantastic to see, to see the different varieties going out there as well and varieties that are quite unassuming or you'd expect that wouldn't be needed in Europe, especially with Germany cornering the alpha market. Right. Yeah, yeah. But obviously now we've got hops like Admiral, which can you can get up to 16% alpha content. Nice. And they're yeah. still almost a dual purpose. You retain that kind of British essence, mm. some of the aroma profiles of a British hop, but you're getting a great bittering hop at the same time. Right. As far as far as sales and stuff are concerned, I try to stay out of that as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a cold store in, on the continent or do you do you ship on demand as your new sales lady makes a, a sale yeah so we've got as far as i'm aware i think we've still got a, a cold store in belgium and a okay. kind of a distribution center which nice. a lot of our hops will go to there and we've also got a couple that used to be full-time on the farm have got um cold storage in poland as well oh wow great so yeah it's, it's been really great and i think that enabled us to 
dodge all of the paperwork that was needed on getting hops into the UK and then shipping them from the UK. So if you can just, if a brewery in Belgium wants something, we can get them to them in the next few days, which is nice. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's talk about plans for the next few years. What's your hopes and dreams for Brookhouse in the next three to five years? Where, where do you think you can get to? What, how will this conversation look in a couple of years time? Hopes and dreams. Well, we've got a, the Noonham site. We've got about a hundred extra acres that are, that we followed, which are just under wire work, ready for new interesting varieties when we oh, get great. to that stage. How many acres is Noonham um, at the moment? Uh, just shy of 200. Right. Fantastic. So, so you're, you're effectively doubling the, the, the output there for, for next year? or is that right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Which could be great. Obviously, with COVID and pub shutting, we were quite limited last 2020. Yep. on what we thought we could grow, what we thought we could sell. We kind of went at it hard this year, which has paid off, because, I mean, this cold store is looking eerily empty at the minute with the UK varieties. <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic news. That's good it, and but... bad. Yeah, it's good news for you. Maybe not so good for Jim, perhaps, if he's trying to satisfy customer orders. But <laughs> just, just just, keep pushing UK varieties. I mean, yep. it's it's amazing the response we've had. And I know I mentioned Daya before, but we had Daya come round and, and they were buying quite a lot of US hops of us. And Sure. And when we had them round, we, we got them to do a bit of a sensory thing. We got some mm. of our varieties out and they smelt them and then they started taking some of our English varieties. And we've noticed that quite a lot with a lot Brilliant. of the craft brewers of yep. try us for the American hops. By all means, we'll supply you. But do you fancy trying this one or do you yep. fancy trying something else? And and the response we've had is fantastic. And I think that's where we've been picking up a lot of sales as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, I know it's hard when you've, when British brewers have been told that, or maybe even worldwide brewers, that English hops are boring and, like you said before, sticks and twigs and all it takes is a few to take some nice varieties and, mm. and for us to consistently show that we can give you the consistency. Yep. It's not a one-hit wonder. We've got these amazing varieties. And things, um, standout things for me is the grower. Uh, we've got a brewery, a kind of local brewery in Herefordshire called Wye Valley Brewery. Right. Old school British brewery, fantastic beers, some great beers. Uh, we just get them down and, and we, we, we spoke to them and said, what, what are you looking from, from, say, for example, your Goldens? Right. And we got some early, early ones that we picked a bit early, some prime ripe ones and some late ones. Right. And we've right. managed to then delve into it, ask what they want. And now we essentially grow them to order for what they want. Nice. They've been doing that for three or four years now. So I think in terms of the next three to five years, show people and from my point of view maybe not the, the opinion of the company but to show that we can grow incredible british hops that are going right. to consistently be in some great beers and a bit more almost kind of like a bit more bespoke service i guess there you know you're just describing where you've got a brewer with a specific demand and you're able to you know deliver that accurately and reliable uh, reliably i should say particular time of year i mean obviously you're at the end of the day it's still farming isn't it so you're at the somewhere at the at the the whim of the of the weather but to be able to understand demand and, and deliver against it must be really satisfying for you i'm sure it is a great feeling especially when you go through the whole season of almost treating them like your babies right yeah to you harvest them <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting as well the difference and, and probably not a lot of brewers will will know this but if you pick a hop a bit early the aroma yeah. and the flavor profile will be distinctly different it will be similar but there'll be a lot of difference to if you pick it late right so some brewers like y valley we were just talking about they preferred the later kind of aroma almost like uh, i was using the analogy of the banana no one eats a green banana it's no, too tough no, no. Traditionally, yeah. brewers would used to go for the, you know, the bright green hops that looked great and they smelt great. But mm. if they start to go over a bit, the real aromas come out and, and the flavour profile comes out. And having the ability to to do that for a brewer is, yeah. is fantastic. One thing I'd like to talk to you about, Henry, is the, the modern processing techniques for hops. And, you know, we're obviously, you know, you, you mentioned cryopop earlier on and, you know, we're talking about things like incognito and so forth. You know, well, what... Where do you stand with how hops should be presented to brewers? And, you know, what, what are you doing to sort of try and embrace or, or maybe resist some of the, the, the gimmicks that, that we're seeing in the market? The easiest thing for me is come down, see mm. what we're about, you know, do the hop walks, come down in harvest, come throughout the season, see the hops when they're at the training stage where we're just learning to train them up the string right the way through to harvest. 
And after that, come and do a sensory mm. test with Jim and with, with some of the other sales guys. Come down, see the hops, choose the varieties that you want. And we'll give you a selection. You can choose for them. I mean, it's just transparency for me. Just present them as they're presented. I mean, whether it's right or wrong, and probably in a, a lot of different sectors, people do it. They present you the most amazing pro- product in front of you, but that might not be the scale. I mean, we're, we're so we're at such a huge commercial scale in terms of growing where I haven't got time to make every single sample for a brewer look fantastic and then rush it and give them rubbish. No. We're about relationships. We want you to come back. Yeah. And, and just being, just honesty, I think. Like Dare came down last year. They wanted to look at some of our Challenger and but it wasn't a great year for Challenger this year. Same as Bramling Cross some years. If we don't get that hard winter, that frost for more than yep. five days after Christmas, Bramling Cross might not be a great year. And I think it's just that honesty that, and getting brewers here in the field and seeing them in, so they can see in harvest, I think they start to understand that this is a crop that's grown in the field. It's not in a polytunnel. It's not in under strict kind of environmental no. factors. It's not controlled. Um, no. But it's just honesty, transparency, and come and see. Just come and have a look. Yeah. Because I guarantee you'll, you'll walk away with something. Rob, I think it's, it's important to remember that a lot of these more advanced products, uh, one of the main reason what, reasons why they've been developed is because of high hopping rates and the costs associated with that right so if you can make dry hopping more efficient then um essentially you can either, yeah, you, yeah you can you can save money or you know get more beer or save money but not everybody's making these extremely hopped beers and and, and not everybody wants to use a, no. an advanced product you know like there, there's certainly some large craft breweries that still use leaf hops yeah because the brewers there feel that 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 adds something to the beer that that maybe a pellet or you know a liquid hop doesn't add and so that's the wonderful thing about brewing is that it's so individual yeah and nobody goes into brewing for the money it's the creative it's definitely the creativity (laughs) side of things so you know brewers are are very inventive people and Mm -hmm. they want to make the best flavored beers that they can and they're always going to use products that best suit their beers yeah um, I think it's really, really important to mention that we do things in a certain way and we're very fortunate that we started from a blank canvas. Right. Uh, English hop growers, and I always refer to it as English hop growers, uh, not British hops, because I'm not aware of any farms in, in, in the other parts of, of, the, of the nation. Right. But English hop growers have had a terrible time of it for such a long time. Yep. And there are no growers in this country that don't do it for passion and, and the love of the hops. And so deflated prices and, and the the on vogue flavours are what dictate what, what people buy. Right. And so we really need brewers to support homegrown hops because if we don't support hop farmers in this country, then then absolutely, you know, we will we will lose it. And, yeah. and that goes for us as well as all of the other farmers. Yeah. And so we really want to encourage people to use English hops from, from wherever, you know, like right. we're not going to turn around and say that you have to use us, but we're at a turning point. And again, the pandemic has amplified that. Massively. Yeah, it has obviously because it's hit the cars market very hard. Yeah. Which has been no. a traditional destination for the majority of the, of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. So we really need drinkers to be bolder about the, the beers that they drink and, and support homegrown mm-hmm. um, varieties because it would be a really sad day when, when that last hop farm shuts in this country and, and yep. everything is imported so be that a traditional variety or an, a, you know a new a new variety whatever please do go out and try those beers with english hops in because uh, and, and give them a chance because as i said you know like with, with brewing and, and much the same with with hop growing is no one does it for the money it's, it, there's so much passion behind it yep. you know i've got the easy job I just have to go and, uh, and present a magnificent product. Yeah. <laughs> but the guys are there or, or on the farm when it's when it's raining and when it's freezing cold or mm. when it's scorching hot. They've got the really hard job and those guys are doing it for, for the love of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Jim. Anything to add to that, Henry? Just buy British hops. Yeah. Give us yeah. a chance. I mean, it's amazing the amount of response we've had. I mean, we've, we've gone over this a few times now, but just let us get our foot in the door. Come see what we're about. Even if even if you're not thinking of buying anything, come see the process. Come see how much time, care and effort it's taken into getting that final product. And I know this is just one ingredient within beer, 
but if everyone's got all British ingredients and can create a British beer, it's it's just fantastic, isn't it? Totally agree. Yeah. How do brewers get in contact with you guys for hop selection 2022 or probably more urgently hop purchase from from now onwards? What what's the best way for them to engage with if they're not already a Brookhouse customer? Well, the easiest way to get in touch is to just go on our website, which is mm-hmm. uh, brookhousehops.com. Yep. You can register on there and you can purchase your hops direct from the website. Sign up to our, our newsletter as well is a big thing. Um, yeah. All the information on all of the hot walks. And even if there's not one near the time or you can't make it, just ring, ask to come and see stuff, come, come nice. down to see the farm. Yeah. Take a yeah. look around the cold store and see what we're about. Yeah, so brookhousehops.com or on Instagram, which is just brookhousehops. Yep. Uh, just reach out to us. We're always happy to talk, even if it's just you want to talk about an idea. You know, yeah. we've got a, a wealth of knowledge in the team that we can help develop those ideas. So, Yeah, Fantastic. just quickly expanding on from that as well, from what Jim just said. Even if you're just wondering what hops go with different hops and or what you could add to your your brew to, to make a different beer or what flavours you're looking to get for. The, the team, the sales team, we've got so strong and we've got different people from that have come from different industries and yep. and they'll just give you the right advice and point you in the right direction. Nice. Well, I mean, the fact that you've got so much brewing experience, Jim, as head of sales is, is a probably a rare sort of crossover quite honestly and so i think that that gives you great credibility in those conversations so i uh, really appreciate that i think um the one person that we need to mention is davide davide is our on-site agronomist we're the only hop farmer in the in the uk i think henry with, with a with a full-time on-site agronomist and could you davide... define that term for me please go on henry <laughs> um, so, so an agronomist is essentially a person that will walk the crop kind of see what pests and disease are there, look at the organic matter in the soil, and kind of inform us and give us direction for what we need to do to look after the hops, what we need to do to get rid of the pests and disease, right. what time is best to apply certain fertilisers and, and so on and so forth. And Davide's taken a lot of time to, well, he's invested a lot of time and we've invested a lot of money in looking for different alternatives for fertilizers so organic fertilizers slow release right. fertilizers trying to stay away from the synthetic stuff the horrible sure. chemicals yeah. and to have that person on site's fantastic i mean it just it's another tool in our toolbox really nice. which stands yeah. us apart from everyone else Fabulous. they're essentially a, a plant doctor <laughs> yeah and, and he's Brilliant. so he's so bloody passionate about it you know mm. like he's very very quiet very unassuming but you know like you can just sense that that guardianship yeah, of the plants when you when you walk around the the yards with him, it is yeah, it's uh it's really nice to see and it it's a massive asset for us. Wonderful because yeah. between Davide and the farming team, they give me the opportunity to present something really fantastic, and so um I'm very appreciative of of, of that Brilliant. effort. Yeah, no, nice, fantastic. Well, gentlemen, this wouldn't be a this week in craft beer podcast without me asking you the uh, traditional wrap-up question which is what would be your ultimate happy hour so usually i'm asking this of a brewer but i uh, don't see why i shouldn't ask you guys as well so what i need to and i need an answer from each of you i need to know where you would be who you would be with and what specific beer would you be drinking who'd like to go first i, I know this because um because i think about it every day and i have done since about since about march middle of march last year <laughs> Where am I going to be? I'm going to be in a wonderful pub in Bavaria, in the yep. mountains. Yep. I'm with my friends and all of those lovely people that, that I've met over my years in the industry. Former colleagues who are, uh, who are great friends. You know, just all of those people. You yep. know, those everyday lovely brewing people. And what are we, what are we drinking? We're drinking Augustina Edelstoff. Okay. Best beer <laughs> in the world. nice all right well i like the i like the picture of that yeah that's that's good work jim henry i think for me and it always gets me and this is going to sound really cliche and sentimental but that minute that we put that last hop through the machine and the sense of relief yeah standing there with all the guys we do a bit of a party where all their their family can come because obviously i've taken them away from their families for so much for so long standing there seeing that last hot wine go through the machine 
might be a bit controversial, but one of my favourite beers I've ever drank was uh, a beer called Kutch by Tiny Rebel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that beer. So standing out there covered in oil, just finished one of the hardest beers of my life. Friends yep. and family drinking one of those. Nice. All right. Good picture. Good picture. I like that. Excellent. Well, then, gentlemen, I think we are done here. Perfect. Thanks for your time, Rob. Appreciate it. No, absolute pleasure. You know, I go back to what I said at the start. I am in awe of what you guys are doing in, in the UK. I love the reputation that you've built in the market. I wish there were more businesses like yours in other market sectors that had such a passion for quality and such a commitment to, to delivering great service. So keep doing what you're doing. I would love to come and see you next Hop Harvest, if we can make that happen. And, you know, in between now and then, I just look forward to drinking more of your hops in great British beers. Fantastic. Pleasure as always, Rob. Cheers, Rob. Good to speak to you. Thank you very much. Commencing in the spring of 2022, This Week in Craft Beer will be running meticulously curated long weekend tours to the world's most exciting craft beer cities in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Destinations will include New England, Brooklyn, Miami and Brussels. If you fancy joining a small tour party led by a leading UK craft brewer as we experience a packed long weekend of meet the brewer and tutor tastings at some of the leading craft breweries on the planet, please pay close attention to our newsletter and website. 